much for joining us today on episode number 212 of the Real Life Runners podcast. So over here, we are still on a high from the Olympics over the last couple of weeks. And today we want to talk about the new Olympic motto. I don't know if you guys know this, but the Olympics has officially changed their motto. And today we're going to talk about why we love this change so much. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. The Olympics were amazing. Yeah, you, you guys you guys knew this episode was coming. You say you're still on Olympic high. I'm on like Olympic hangover. Oh. I think it's both in a lot of ways, right? Like the high of all of it and just like all of the amazing things that happened during this Olympics. Just the fact that these Olympics did finally happen. I mean, that itself was pretty freaking amazing that, yeah. that, that they were actually able to pull off Olympics. And people are like, oh, no, they were watered down. There weren't, there's not a fans in the Olympics. They're COVID Olympics. No, no, no. Those are the Olympics. Those are the Olympics. And there were so many amazing moments in the Olympics. There were so many amazing stories. I mean, these Olympics will definitely go down in history as a very special olympics and i don't think covid really was the center point i mean maybe maybe i'm wrong and there's people that are probably will argue with that i mean covid obviously shadowed over everything right but there were so many amazing things that happened over the course of those couple of weeks and the conversations that they spurred all around the world about mental health and you know, teammates and the things that these Olympic athletes have gone through, not only physically in their training, but mentally, you know, as the world shut down, as we were away from each other, as we were away from people, they couldn't have their support systems there with them. Like everything that they went through to get to the point where they were and to still show up and still just perform like the incredible rock stars that they all are. I mean, the number of world records, Olympic records, the people who set their own national records, yes. which are always very cool when they come out because they're not necessarily the things at the bottom of the of the screen, mm-hmm. you know, and the track and field coverage here in the U.S. with the little things on the bottom of the screen that's like, here's the world record, here's the Olympic record. Yeah. But then they put up after afterward finish like the top 20 people in that yeah. race and the number of people next to them that it put down that that was a national record there was i think i saw it like 130 national records set at the olympics wow yeah and i think that there were so many people in this olympics that won first time medals for their country yes which was so incredible like i mean i know i heard it multiple multiple times you know during the course of just track and field you know i mean especially when you start to add in some of the other events um how many first time medal there were yes in different countries that were so cool but of course the olympics had us thinking about how this all applies to us as real life runners, how it applies to our running journey and our lives as human beings. And Kevin had some really great observations based on a sign from your classroom. Well, yeah. So as I'm setting up my classroom and I got to pull all the posters out because they were repainting walls inside of the classroom. And you've changed classrooms again this year. classrooms (laughs) again. So I had to reset up my room. And one of the big posters I have is, I love the poster. And it's, the guy carrying the Olympic torch into the Olympic stadium in the first Olympics after World War II, mm-hmm. where they canceled the Olympics. 
Yeah. Like this was the first Olympics after they had had to like not have Olympics. And there's a big display up behind him that has the Olympic creed back behind him, which is the important thing in life is not the triumph, but the fight. The essential thing is not to have won, but to have fought well. Okay? And it's, it's the words of the guy who founded the modern Olympics, which I'm going to totally mispronounce his name because it's French, but it is Pierre de Coubertin. Mm -hmm. something to that effect, but yeah. probably with a better French accent, which I'm not even going to try and <laughs> I attempt. can do Italian. I can do British. French is not my strong suit. No, no. Mine just, I sound like the candle from uh, the Ooh, candelabra. yes. From Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> from Beauty and the Beast. That's pretty much what I've <laughs> oui, got. Oui. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> nailed it. Um, but so that poster is up in my room and it's, it's great. And I was like, okay, we should do a whole episode about that statement because it really that's what these Olympics were. Like, they were like, we're going to pull off Olympics. They still called them Tokyo 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, which the girls asked about, like, all the time. Like, our two <laughs> daughters were like, Mom, why didn't they rename this 2020, 2021, Tokyo 2021? I'm like, I don't know. Because it wasn't. These yeah. were the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. That's what they always were. So there's no reason to change it. And it was basically saying, look, we pulled this off. And so I'm like, all right, we're going to do that. So I looked up and I'm like, okay, what do we call the episode? Is that the Olympic like statement, belief, motto? What is it? And I looked up Olympic motto and it turned out something even cooler happened before the Olympics. Mm -hmm. Just right before the Olympics, in July, before the Olympics started, the IOC governing body actually unanimously voted to change the Olympic motto. Right. So the old Olympic motto, you, you may know as Sidious Altius Fortius, which translates to faster, higher, stronger. And this is a very cool Latin phrase that we've talked about before back in episode 60. You know, we did a whole episode about being greater in all things and pursuing our best self, avoiding comparison and avoiding the trap of fitness over health, all those types of things. So if you want to go back and we'll link to that in the show notes, episode number 60. I may have tried to do a Donald Sutherland impression because it's the opening line of the Prefontaine movie also. Mm, we I, will have to check on that. <laughs> it's, I'm sure it's about as good as my French accent. <laughs> so that is what the old Olympic motto was, Sidious Altius Fortius. But this year, they voted unanimously, like Kevin said, to change the motto. So the new motto is now... Uh, Sidious, well, in Latin, Sidious Altius Fortius Communiter. Mm -hmm. In Latin, which translates to faster, higher, stronger, together. How cool is that? So it's it's fantastic. And I love that it was just is a full-blown unanimous decision. Yeah. No one thought, no, 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 let's keep the tradition alive of having this. They're like, no, the together part really matters, especially following a year that involved so much separation. Yeah. Like, I don't know how many of our listeners caught the opening ceremonies because apparently it was the least watched opening ceremony since 1988. That's interesting. Yeah. It was very, very low on the ratings. I wonder why. Because the Olympics were supposed to be last year and people forgot that they were starting. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. No. But, um, so at the very beginning of the opening ceremonies, I'm totally not going to describe all of it, but at the very beginning, the stadium's all there and there was just a single spotlight on one runner on a treadmill. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, look at this athlete training in isolation. That was like the gist of it. And then it kept on going from there. And it started showing all these connections from one athlete to the next to the next and how we're all interconnected. That was like the theme going on of that part. But 
it, it really fit in with this change to the Olympic motto, which I was kind of surprised they didn't mention right there in the opening ceremonies. It would have been nice of the announcers to point out, by the way, we changed the Olympic motto. Mm-hmm. Because that was that was the point, is we basically all spent a year alone, and now we're together. Minus some fans, but we came together for the Olympics, and that's kind of the point of the yeah. Olympics. Yeah, and the um, president of the IOC, President Bach, explain the link between the change and the original model. And what he says is, quote, solidarity fuels our mission to make the world a better place through sport. We can only go faster. We can only aim higher. We can only become stronger by standing together in solidarity. It's so fantastic. I, I just kept kind of going down a little rabbit hole as I was doing some some research yeah. on this episode because I'm like, this is just so cool that we changed it to highlight the togetherness mm-hmm. of what the Olympics are. Like, yeah, people get caught up in like the medal count and I don't want to dive down that hole about like, should we count all the medals? Should we count just the gold medals? And I saw a thing because I dove down the rabbit hole a little bit of like, what happens if you compare the medal count and then factor in population of the countries? What happens if you take the medal count and then factor in the GDP of all the countries? And mm-hmm. it turns out the U.S. falls way down the list on that one. Really? Yeah, because I, we just count total medals because that way we always come out on top. But when you factor in like population we start shrinking when you factor in gdp we fall way down on the list and suddenly these countries really small countries that won like three or four medals you're like how did they win three or four medals like there's countries with a population of like connecticut that won six medals wow and it's that's saying something yeah 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 (sighs) so there were so many amazing examples from the olympics of this togetherness idea, right? One of the number one examples being Simone Biles, okay? I don't think anyone could have gone over the last two weeks anywhere in their life, you know, without understanding that, or without hearing the name Simone Biles, or without even having an idea of what happened. So just as a little recap, if you are one of those people that aren't sure what happened, Simone Biles is an American gymnast, and she pulled out. So she is basically the most decorated gymnast of all time. She even self-named herself the GOAT, greatest of all time. She has like a GOAT embroidered on her leotards. And she is, I mean, pretty much unanimously, people say Simone Biles is the greatest gymnast of all time. She has multiple moves named after herself. Everybody pretty much knows who Simone Biles is, so I don't need to get all into those details. But basically, she pulled out during the team competition because she said she had a case of the twisties. She didn't feel like she could safely continue on. And there were some people that criticized her and there was so much support though on the other side about how she was putting a spotlight on mental health and how she was putting her her physical and her mental health above everything else and how brave she was for doing that, how much courage... And all of that is true. Simone Biles is absolutely amazing. And I think that she did do the hard thing, right? Pulling out of those Olympics when you are expected to go in there had to be one of the hardest decisions, if not the hardest decision she's ever had to make in her life. Right. Like she was generally expected to go in and and win four gold medals, if not five gold medals. Right. And for her 
not to do that, right? Some people were like, oh, she's chickening out. She's disappointing her country. I just, I, I won't agree with you on that ever. Um, she put herself first. And this is something that we've talked about for, as real life runners, right? Putting your health and your well being first above all of the accolades, above sometimes even your fitness, right? Being healthy is not always the same thing, or being fit is not always the same thing as being healthy. Um, and one of the things that I love to see the kind of the fallout of Simone Biles pulling out was how her teammates stepped up and how by her stepping down, she gave her teammates the opportunity to rise and to show up and how we, the USA, we still won the all around gold medal. You know, Suni Lee won the all around. We had another another gymnast win gold in the floor competition. We had another gymnast win, you know, there were all sorts of medals going to all sorts of people, her teammates, right? That she was there. And had she not pulled out, those people would not have had the same chance to shine. Right. So she allowed them to have this moment to shine. But not only that, it's not like she pulled out and then got on a plane and and went home. Oh, no. Like one, she found like, I don't know, some secret gym in Japan and trained there. And two, she kept showing up at the Olympics every day. Cheering on her teammates. Like, she was in the fans, cause she, in the crowd, because she was allowed. Like, there wasn't allowed to be a crowd, but the athletes and their teammates and their coaches were allowed to be there. And that was one more person who could go into the stands and cheer for those girls. Mm-hmm. And I, there was no one that was going to stop her for doing that. Like, the camera was constantly flashing to her. And you know that that had to add some stress of like, ooh, if, if she goes in, then reporters are going to try and ask her how she's feeling and all that stuff. She's going to be on camera constantly. I don't think she cared. Like, she was there to, to be in there and scream for her teammates as loud as she could. Yeah. Um, which I think was actually against the Olympic rules. You weren't actually supposed to yell. You were just <laughs> supposed to clap for people. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, she she was in there and cheering her teammates on and supporting right. them as much as she could. That's the togetherness. Right. Those and, teammates and- would not have reached as high without the togetherness. Yes, exactly. Like that, they were able to go Sidious, Altius, Fortius, like faster, higher, stronger because they were together and because they had Simone in their corner, right? Like they now were like, okay, now it's my time to shine and I have to step up because she's not holding the torch anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which was phenomenal watch and an excellent example out of this, a a great place to start. And we could have a whole episode just on, on that and Mm -hmm. the mental physical combination and and all of that, but highlighting the togetherness, that was, that was a good one. Um, one of the other ones, you see this at the finish of so many, um, swim competitions, the, Mm -hmm. the running, the triathlon, anything where people are just close to each other. You couldn't see it so much in like rowing and canoeing and stuff like that because you can't physically get to the other people. But at the end of these races where people are just going all out, then to go over to the person that you're competing head to head against and genuinely that you would see hugs, you'd see like support to somebody who did not necessarily even speak your same language. Yeah. You know, that's the cool part of the Olympics is you're competing against somebody. You can't even say, like, good luck to them afterwards. Congratulations afterwards. Like, you can, but they may or may not understand what it is that you're saying to them. Mm -hmm. And you'd see that. You'd see it in, in wrestling, boxing. Like, these guys are slugging away at each other. And then they would hug afterwards because that was the that's a gold and silver. Yeah. And the the coolest thing about that, and, and one of the reasons that 
I think these athletes hug is because there is a genuine connection and understanding between them on what they just did, right? Like the connection that they have because both of them just pushed themselves as hard as they possibly could. And they know that they could not have pushed themselves that hard without the other one, right? Just by the competition, the nature of competition allows us to push ourselves harder than we can by ourselves. And that can be that desire to beat another person, right? To actually try to outkick them or um, beat them in that competition. And in sometimes it's that person pulling you along, also, right? Like you can see that that person, you don't want to let that person pull away from you. Mm -hmm. That person's going faster. That means I need to also go faster. So we can find levels within ourselves that we didn't know were there when we have someone else that's alongside us. Yeah. And you can, you can reach levels that you didn't even know were possible. Mm -hmm. Like the people who were breaking world records and then second place managed to also break the old Mm -hmm. world record. Yeah. Like the 400 meter hurdles. Yes. Like when, when Sydney McLaughlin broke the record, like she did that in prelims or was that in the trials Trials. when she first broke the record and then she she broke her own record again in the Olympics. But like when she did it, she did it against the previous world record holder like she beat the previous world record holder head to head and if that person wasn't in the race would she have done it we don't know you know obviously we we can we can't go back and like go to the other scenario right but i would argue that it was because that that person was right there next to her that she just pushed herself even more even beyond what she thought was possible and when she first saw the time hit the clock when she crossed the finish line, the look on her face was just pure shock. Yeah, the 400-meter hurdles on men's and women's were both incredible. Like, the men's, he broke the world record, if I remember correctly, by a second and a half. It's the 400. Yeah. And I may realize it's the 400 hurdle, so it's slightly slower than the 400, but that that short of a distance you should not be able to break the world record in an event that's been contested for well over a century by a second and a half yeah it's and just too short of a distance he blew away second place second place i think broke the world record mm-hmm. he just lost by a second and a half yeah <laughs> like the Bummer. performance that showed up was so phenomenal and the guy in second you know he's thinking right, that's as that's as much as i can do i didn't think i could break the old world record but I'm just chasing this guy mm-hmm. and took himself to new heights. People, that happens all the time in the Olympics because suddenly they can see what's possible around them. They know what they can do with their training partners. But now when you're going up against other people, you're like, all right, I knew what I thought I could do, but look at what that person's doing. I think I can take it to an even greater level. Yeah, and that's really the togetherness that the Olympics brings. And the same thing goes for us as real life runners. This is one of the reasons why people miss racing so much, right? Oh, yeah. Because it's just different than when you just go out and run on your own. And there are... There's a lot of really good things to be said about just going out and running on your own, going out and doing virtual races and like challenging yourself and all of that. There are some fantastic benefits of all that, but there's just nothing like that healthy competition and collaboration that you get in a race and to see it on this world stage you know, play out so beautifully the way that it did over the past couple of weeks is just so inspiring, even for us as real life runners. Yeah, I mean, it's 
you get that from running in a race with the complete stranger running next to you. Someone who you've never met before, and maybe they don't even know that you're running with them. Mm-hmm. Like, they could be three people ahead of you, and they just happen to be, like, the person in the yellow shirt. Because yep. it's, like, it's a bright thing that you can see. And they have no idea that they're now dragging somebody along with them. Totally. I mean, I've had those people in multiple races. Like, yes. there's still a girl that I see out running sometimes, and I'm like, that's the girl in the skirt from the ten- the race for the cake. 10k that I ran you know like and she was just up ahead of me and I'm like just don't lose the girl in the skirt like and you know you've probably done this before right like we all kind of just pick out people and you're like okay if I could just get to that person you know just don't let that person get out of my sight and those little things help to pull us along help to push us along right like and I I mean I'm a friend of mine that um I ran Key West, the half marathon with too. Same thing. I could see her. I couldn't see her for a while. And then all of a sudden I saw her and I'm like, I just want to catch her. Right. And it wasn't because I wanted to beat her. I'm not like, I want to catch her and beat her. It's like, I just, let me just get to her. She was like my motivation. And sometimes we all need that target to help pull different things out of us. Right. That versus just kind of slugging along doing our thing. We're not going to be able to push ourselves as much as if we do have like a target or someone there yeah it's really nice to have somebody else in the race i know my first race back with racing with other people i i kind of wish that there was a bigger crowd up at the front for Mm -hmm. for longer in the race i think i could have gone a little faster yeah you you have an interesting perspective on that that we'll have to get into like in maybe a different episode um when you're like leading a race you know because you don't really have uh, always have people that are on your level up at the front with you. You make friends with the guy on the lead bike. Yeah, but I mean, it's a little different. That guy's not really, like, competing against you. And it's he's a little not, different. He's not technically allowed to, to pace you. He has to right. kind of change his pace, which is sometimes frustrating. Yeah, so another great example that we loved was the men's marathon, which was, like, on the almost last day. Okay, so before we get into, like, the... This topic, one little thing that shows up in both men's and women's marathon, Mm -hmm. every time they came to the water stations, the ice stations, because it was so unbelievably hot, if someone couldn't get to the water table or they couldn't get to like their drink because all the tables are set up by countries, there were definitely other people who would grab a drink and pass it over. They would grab two water bottles and make sure that the person running to their left could get to water Mm -hmm. because... Yes, you're all out there competing, but you don't want to compete against and beat the other guy because he passed out, yeah. because he had to drop out because he's dehydrated. Like it, It's a fair competition. So you saw a lot of people passing towels to the person mm-hmm. next to him, passing a water bottle to the person next to him, which was kind of cool to watch. That is cool. Um, and in the marathon, you know, the if you guys watch the end of the marathon, the end of the men's marathon, I mean... The women's marathon was incredible. Yay, Molly. Like, we yeah, are Molly. huge Molly Seidel fans here. Come be a guest on the show. For sure. <laughs> um, we are Notre Dame alum also, right? So, like, we've got um, some major uh, fangirling over here uh, with as a co-Notre Dame alum. Um, we, we may have been screaming at the TV as though we were somehow going to have an impact on the totally. outcome. Totally. I mean, all four of us. Like, yes. the girls, you know, yelling for Molly was, was just so, so cute. But, um you know, so the women's marathon was absolutely incredible and everything that she's overcome to get to where she was, you know, where she is right now and the results that she was able to achieve is absolutely incredible. But watching the end of the men's marathon also was so cool. So I don't know if you guys noticed this, but 
obviously Kipchoge is in a league of his own, right? Like he just was like, okay, I'm faster than all of you. Now I'm going to go. We've reached the 30K. I'm going to win the race now. (laughs) Bye. He dropped a... See you at the finish line. He dropped a 5K from 30 to 35 kilometers. That 5K was in 14 minutes and 28 seconds. Just wrap your head around that one for a second. Unreal. I mean, like, it's superhuman, right? But, okay, so... He obviously had won gold a couple minutes ahead of this. But when second and third place came through, okay, there were actually three guys. There were three guys vying for two medals. And that doesn't work. That doesn't work, right? And so you're like, oh, my gosh. And all three of them were there together. But it was so cool to watch. And Kevin and I were, like, watching. Like, is that guy, like, signaling to the other guy to, like, come on? And they worked together, basically, to make sure that each that each other got a medal. Like, yes. they two, – two out of the three apparently had – were both from Somalia. And one of them is now from the Netherlands and the other is from Belgium, but they were training partners. Yeah, so they're total training partners. They both were born in Somalia, but moved in very, very early childhood. And they rounded this turn with about two-ish miles to go. It was around the just before the 40K mark. And... Um, the one guy, as he came around the turn, it looked like he sort of like windmilled his arm. And our daughters were like, did he just like wave to the guys behind him? Like, see guys, I'm taking off. I'm like, I don't think he did. I think he just motioned for one of the other guys. Come on, stay with me. Mm-hmm. And it was so weird. And then, and then he did it again. And then he did it again. Mm-hmm. And like, as they're going down the final straightaway with like, you know, 200 meters to go he turns around and starts like yelling over his shoulder like this is not ideal racing strategy like (laughs) there are three guys two medals on the line and instead of just saying i'm going to get across the line before these two guys he kept turning around and yelling at his friend and training partner let's go let's go we got to get there. We got to get there. And they took silver and bronze mm-hmm. and the Kenyan ended up falling back to fourth. Yeah, exactly. So I was reading the, an article about these guys and they, they interviewed the runner who ended up in third. His name is Bashir Abdi. And he, he said, um, he says, you must go. If he was not there today, it would have been a different last three kilometers. In training, one of us is always a little bit better than the other in different training sessions. We encourage each other. It's what teammates do. It it just happened that on that training session, it was the Olympic marathon. (laughs) And his teammate was a little bit better. But they're still dragging each other to get the best out of each other that they possibly can. Yeah. And, like, that's the coolest thing, right? Like, there's the togetherness again. And you have training buddies, right? Like, you have training partners that you want to do well in your whatever race it is that you guys are competing in. Like, I know I do. Like, when my friends and I run the same race, I'm like, we're all here to run our own races, right? We can help each other out along the way. We can push each other. But if you're feeling good that day, get out of here. Go go run your race. Yeah, 100%. Like, the last thing you need is, you don't need to hang out back here with me. Like, push yourself to the best. And anything mm-hmm. I can do to help get you to an even faster, higher place, like, whatever it is, yeah. 
rise up and see if I can help you get there. Yeah, and then there was the 10K with the guy from Uganda. Oh, that that was crazy. Straight off the gun, the guy from Uganda takes the lead and just bolts out to the front. Oh, yeah. And the announcers are like, what is he doing? And then he does like stays in the lead. He's like 10 steps in front of the pack. And the announcers kept being like, I'm not sure what he's doing. He's going really fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just he's keeping so- it honest. Like, I, I misheard the announcers when they said that. And I was like, did he just say he's keeping the pace modest? And you're like, no, no, no. He said honest. And I was like, oh, okay. That's a little bit better. But I'm like, holy moly, these guys are flying. Yes. I mean, <laughs> I don't think that he meant much much less than modest. Like, it was respectable. Yeah. It was not like they were coasting through, because that happens a lot in the Olympics. Right, because it's very tactical a lot yes. of times. And so it essentially comes down to, like, five miles of running mm-hmm. and then, like, a five laps of racing. Sometimes right, even technical. even more... Where it's it's not jogging. I mean, it, it's kind of jogging for the <laughs> for the Olympians, I mean, sort of. This is the craziest thing to me. Is like when you watch them do twenty five laps or you know twenty three laps of the track, and then they all out sprint the last two. Like it blows my mind sometimes. Because like the, Kevin and Kevin's there laughing. Like they just dropped a sixty two. Oh my god, they just dropped a fifty seven. I was like. Holy moly. I mean, that's basically what it takes to win the Olympics in the 10K is you need to run sub five minute pace for 24 laps. And then after that, you have to close in a sub 60 second last lap. It's nuts. That's what you need to do. But if you can't keep up uh, up until the last lap, it doesn't matter if you can close in 60 or not. And if you can't close in under 60, it doesn't matter if you kept up Mm -hmm. the first 24. Yeah, but Uganda (laughs) had never won a medal before. Any medal in the 10K. Yeah, and so that guy basically went out and just tired out the rest of the field to make sure that everyone kept that pace honest, right? And that he was pushing them because he knew that his other two countrymen could hold that pace. And so he basically did it and then he just kind of fell off. You saw him kind of falling back and the other two went and they took first and second, right? Or was it second and third? I think first and third. But they got two out of the three medals. They got two out of the three medals. Yeah, which is just unbelievable. And basically that third guy sacrificed himself 100 percent, and he he knew it so uganda has great national pride in their runners Mm -hmm. they have been phenomenal for years on the like world cross country scene Mm, and so you'd think because the world cross country is a 12k that it should translate pretty well to a 10k on the track yeah but cross country track is so different i know but like that's that's part of the like the pride issue they're Mm. like the distances are close we should be able to get a medal and they've never gotten any medal in the 10k gotcha. and it's like it's a sore spot mm-hmm. for uganda national pride and for this guy to be able to go out there and he didn't get the medal yeah like that's the thing is he went into that race and he's standing there on the starting line and you know part of him wants to be like i am fast enough that i can be the person that gets the medal but that was not his job that day yeah his coaches told him no your job is to make sure that pace stays honest you keep out there and you keep pushing the pace for as long as you can. And he made it about, uh, I think, like 15, 16 laps. So mm-hmm. he was almost four miles into it. Mm-hmm. And then and then suddenly it was like someone just told him, and you're done. And he just fell through the entire pack all the way to the back and then walked to the off- outside of the track. Mm-hmm. And then just, you know he's now sitting there like, all right, 
I've stopped. Those two guys better get something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you know, those two guys probably then felt an obligation to their teammate. Yep. Right? Like, he did that for us. Now it's our job to do the rest. Yes. He he just sacrificed his any chance of getting a medal because he's not even running anymore. Mm -hmm. He's standing over on the side. So he has no chance. So it is up to us that it's that little bit extra because your teammate helped set you up for the win. Yeah. You don't want to let them down. It's, it's this working together for a greater cause. First medal and then conveniently second medal for Uganda mm-hmm. in the men's 10K. Yeah, and so it just like really highlights that point of like how far are you able to push yourself if you don't have support, right? And how much farther could you get if you had a team behind you or if you had that support behind you? So why do geese fly in a V? Oh, V formation. V formation. That's the mighty ducks. Mighty that's ducks. different. That's different. You, you're going to... Geese are different than ducks. <laughs> uh, but I mean, ducks also fly in a V formation, and there's physics behind this. Yeah, they fly in a V formation for two reasons. One, if you fly in a straight line, you can only see the duck in front of you. Mm-hmm. So you fly in a V formation because you can essentially see the entire flock. Like, you can keep track of all of the other geese. Yeah. And so it's a safety thing of you need to make sure that everybody's there. The other, geese can fly. They've done the physics on this. For a while, they were speculating, but they've actually done, like, a whole lot of physics models on geese flying. Geese can fly 70% farther. Because, 70%? 70% farther because they fly in a V formation. And that's, like, wind resistance and, like, all the physics of... So the geese in front flies slightly higher than the goose behind it. Mm -hmm. And so it creates a natural updraft. So the geese behind essentially never have to flap their wings. Mm -hmm. They fly on the lift of the goose in front. So then does that goose, like, change? Constantly rotates out. Like, if you watch geese go across the sky, in all likelihood, when you first spot them, the goose flying at the point will not stay all the way until you can't see them again. Mm-hmm. They constantly rotate back. That's cool. And they can 70%, 70% increase because they're working together. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible, right? So that right there just shows you the power of togetherness, the power of being able to do more, go longer, go faster, push yourself more if you have support in your corner. And so much like the Olympic motto fits us here at Real Life Runners, so does the new motto, I would say. I I wonder if at the IOC they were speculating Sidious, Altius, Fortius, Goosiest. Just (laughs) curious if you think... I think you should email them (laughs) and ask them that. President Bach, (laughs) I have a suggestion for the next Olympics. There you go. Perhaps in Paris. Yeah, so... Here at Real Life Runners, this is really what we believe, is that together we can achieve at a greater level. Yes, and there's so much to this because there's so many different components to together. Like there's there's different ways that you interact with people on your team. Mm -hmm. So like there's coaching that uh, allows a leadership to help sort of guide and not necessarily to say, look, here's the exact path, follow this, but to just provide some guidance along Mm -hmm. the way. 
which is super helpful to make sure that you kind of know where you're going. You I love having a coach. Having and a coach I have multiple coaches. Like I have a running coach. I have a life coach. I've got multiple coaches in my life. And some of them know they're my coaches and some of them don't. Like Because <laughs> like there's such a beauty in the virtual online world now that I consider some people coaches and mentors that I've never met that have no idea who I am. But they have influenced my life in such a profound way mentally that – they are for sure my coaches and mentors. Yeah, and having a coach is really helpful, not because they clear the path. Like that's mm-hmm. that's not what you're getting out of a coach. Like you want a coach to guide the path, but you want to actually, you know, go through the steps to to achieve whatever it is. Well, you always have to. Yes. Like your coach can never do it for you. Right. Right. And that's part of the beauty of coaching. That's not what coaching is for, but your coach is there. And you know, if you don't have a coach, you should find a coach. And like I said, it can be a free coach that you just like listen to their podcast and their audiobooks, and you follow them on social media and you're just very inspired by what they do. I have several people that I would consider in that category in my life. I think that it's also very helpful to actually have a relationship with a coach that you can run ideas by, that you can um, help. Like the coach's job, in my opinion, is to help you see things a little differently, right? A coach is is there to help guide you for sure. Um, A coach is there to help show you what's possible because a lot of times you can't see it yourself. Like you're too close to it or you're not you know, looking far enough in the distance to actually see what's possible for yourself. And a coach can see that. And a coach can start to guide you in that direction. And a coach can also show you your shortcomings in a way that you can then recognize them and then work on them to turn those weaknesses into strengths. Because a lot of times we don't know what we don't know. You know, we don't know where we're falling short. We just blame it on our programming or our genetics, or maybe I'm just not a fast runner. Maybe I'm just a slow runner. Maybe this or maybe that. And a coach can look at the whole picture and kind of see where those weak points are and help point them out to you so that you can then get to work on turning those into strengths. The coach can't do that for you. The coach is, I like to think of a coach as like a mirror. Like I'm, I always tell my, my clients, like it's my job to hold up a mirror and show you your brain and we're going to dig around in your brain and we're going to find out, you know, all the little areas where we can get to and all the little dust bunnies that might be hiding in there of like thoughts and beliefs that you don't even know that are affecting you. And then we can go to work on them together. I, I would say that the, it's not that a coach holds a mirror up. It's that a coach can sometimes hold that second mirror up because you mm. can see yourself in a mirror, but you miss parts. <laughs> but when you got a second mirror going, now you're like, oh, oh, there's that thing back there. Well, not only that, but when you look in a mirror, there's you can focus on one part at a time. Yeah. Right? Like if you're looking in the mirror and you're like focusing on something that's on your cheek, can you really see something that's on your shoulder? No, no, that's a very, very good point. A coach a coach can see you the without the limits that you place on yourself. That's it. Is is another really good way of looking at it of they can see 
your full potential. And sometimes we place these limits that we don't need to, and we put them for no good reason, Mm -hmm. but we limit ourselves, And then we find reasons to stick with those limits. We justify the limits and we just, we hold tight to them. A coach can see beyond that and see the weaknesses that you can directly work on to actually move beyond those limits that you're putting on yourself. Right. So if you don't have a coach, get yourself a coach, okay? It can start out by just having someone that you follow, that you look up to, that inspires you, and then get yourself a coach that can actually help you move your life, move your running to the next level if that's something that you want, okay? The other thing that we love is accountability, right? Like we need accountability in our lives. The... Olympians have plenty of accountability, right? Like not only do they have accountability in their own teammates, but they have accountability to their whole country, <laughs> right? The, their whole country, possibly their sponsor, <laughs> yeah. their family. I mean, the, so much. That was one of the, to me, one of the downfalls of not having um fans at the Olympics is so many of the fans are the family of the athletes Mm -hmm. who have sacrificed for years, possibly decades to help get this person to the Olympics. So it's nice when they can actually go to the Olympics Mm -hmm. and, and see the dream come true. Whatever place that means, just being able to get to the Olympics is an amazing dream come true for so many athletes. So that's a huge one. And accountability Knowing that it's not just you out there really leads to some pretty high levels of consistency. Well, yeah, and I don't think that you need accountability to be consistent. I, you know, we like to say that you are consistent because you are a runner, because that is the identity that you choose for yourself. Um, But accountability definitely helps, you know, like when you know that there's people depending on you or waiting for you at 5 a.m. that are meeting you for your run you're less likely to not go. Like you are much more likely to show up, I believe, if someone is there waiting for you. And that's one of the things that like having teammates and friends that do similar things like run or or race training, you know, with you, that can help a lot. Which kind of leads into the last one of there's a common ground that unites us when you sort of surround yourself with other runners mm-hmm. because they get it. Like you just said, you know, when you, you get up at five because you know that your your teammates are waiting to meet you, there's a lot of people, maybe not a lot of people who are listening right now, but there's a lot of people that if they were listening, they're like, why are you getting up at five and meeting other people and going and running for so long? All of that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> There's a common ground that unites runners when you've got this shared goal. What Even if you're not training for the same race, you both get what running means. And so it makes sense to get up at 5 o'clock and go for a run. Right, because all of us are working to be better runners and therefore better humans, really. We're trying to be better versions of ourselves. We're trying to be stronger. We're trying to go faster. We're trying to reach higher. And when we're together... All of that is a little bit easier. All of that means a little bit more. Like it's one thing to do it for yourself and we want you to do it for yourself because ultimately that really is what it all comes down to. You get to choose whether or not you are a runner, whether or not you want to be a runner, whether or not you want to do the things that runners do. It all falls back to you. But when we do it together, when we have people there in our corner supporting us and, you know, understanding us in a way that only other runners can, it just makes the world of difference. 
it's it really it's like the ripple effect that one runner can then the improvement of their running and their life helps the person next to them and it helps the next person and mm-hmm. I, I think if more people in the world ran it would be a happier place yeah i mean we like to believe that i fully believe that yeah and that's so that's what we choose to believe yes so Get your friends to be runners too, right? (laughs) And if you need some running friends, come connect with us, okay? We love connecting with other real-life runners. I am really enjoying connecting with you guys on Instagram right now. So if you aren't following us yet, head over to Instagram and follow us at Real Life Runners. Um, We're posting a lot of fun and educational and informative content over there. And some some of it's just entertaining. Every once in a while, Angie makes me jump into a reel with her. That's always entertaining. I love it. I've already gotten requests for you to be in more of the reels. Oh, goodness. Yes. So um, they love Kevin's dance moves. Um, But yeah. So did you. You married me. I did. I did. Um, So if you're not following us over at Real Life Runners, make sure you go over there on Instagram and do so. And if you really want to take your running to the next level, we have a whole training team that is built to do just that. Okay. We have teammates for you. We have coaches. Um, we have accountability. We have fun monthly challenges. We give you a training plan with all the things you need to become a better runner. You can check that out over on the website, realliferunners.com. Um, and then just click on coaching at the top if you want more information about the training team. But go over to the website, check it out. We've got some really great new free trainings and resources over at realliferunners.com. We've just updated the website. Um, and we have a brand new quiz that we have for you guys so you can figure out where you are on your runner's journey because it's important to know where you are right now so that you know how to move up to the next level. Okay. So check that out over at realliferunners.com. As always, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Remember, Sidious Altius Fortius Communiter. Faster, higher, stronger, together. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 212. Now get out there and run your life. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you have to come check out the Real Life Runners training team. It's our monthly coaching program where we take all of this material, we apply it, and we take it to the next level. We teach you how to train your mind, body, and skills for true and lasting success in your running and your life. We offer customized training plans, live coaching calls, and one-on-one coaching, along with our proven system to help you transform into the runner you want to be and achieve your goals. Come join our team over at realliferunners.com forward slash team and start to truly run your life. We'll see you there.